Welcome to GleeCast, the somewhat occasionally weekly home of Glee and casting. Here are your hosts, Emily and Erica. Put the Kindle away. It's away. Your reward for completing this episode of GleeCast will be that you can play with your new Kindle. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. Um, so we're GleeCast and Erica got a Kindle. I did. New. And of course it showed up like five seconds before Emily was like, okay, I'm ready to record. And I was like, Crap. oh, so it's my fault? Well, no, it's it's UPS's fault for being so late because I was sitting here for an hour not doing anything waiting and it didn't show up in that amount of time. So if UPS had run a little bit earlier, I understand it's the holidays. I appreciate the fact that they're busy. But if I was just earlier on the delivery schedule, then I wouldn't I'd be done playing with it and I'd be happily recording. But now I'm like, God damn it. I didn't really like this episode and I want to play with my Kindle. My gosh, it's hard to be you right now, isn't it? It is. Um, yeah, I'm, and I cut my thumb on a walnut. Which, yeah, but what is a body swap, apparently. How did yeah. you cut your finger on a walnut? Um, it, well, it was like a full walnut, like we discussed last week. Yeah, you, you um, crack walnuts. So cracking it, and I was like trying to pry open the two ends and I guess the edge was sharp and I have like a pa- it looks like a paper cut on my thumb well I'm I'm sorry for your loss of skin around your thumb uh, I I hope I don't know I, I would expect this to happen a lot more <laughs> I don't want it to happen where I want to be done with it yeah I'm on like a three day in a row paper cut uh, before 11 a.m. kick every day this week before maybe even before 10 uh, at some point, I pick up a pile of paper too quickly, and it just slices through my hand, um, which, I mean, it, you know, I can live. It doesn't hurt much. Today, I, like, screamed, and it was literally the, the blood, uh, the cut was about, I don't know, um, a sixteenth of an inch. Like, it was very, very tiny, but it really hurt, oh. um, which didn't make me look very manly, which, of course, is what I always strive for in the office. Is manliness? Pretty much. I mean, I don't know. That, uh, that does the job, I find. But anyway, we're here to talk about an episode that uh, it's, is very well received by the Glee community, certainly the Glee House community. Yeah, you guys are all wrong. I liked it. I won't say I loved it. Uh, Erica's uh, goal, I think, of the day, uh, aside from um, body swapping, is to dissuade me from liking the episode, I think. You'll see. There there are definite... I mean... I'll give you guys the fact that it wasn't as bad as previous episodes, <laughs> but okay. I, I feel like everyone was kind of sharing it with love. And when you really look at it from a logical standpoint, it's mm. really it does it makes no sense. It's not a good episode. It's Glee. I've learned to put logic at the door. But I feel like they. We'll we'll start talking about it. I feel like okay. I feel like they took very large leaps. Okay. All right. Yeah. I okay. Let's let's get into it. This episode was written by Stacey Traub, who I believe this is the first time this man or woman, I don't know, Stacey could be either, has written for Glee. Uh, they've done a lot of other TV stuff. Uh, directed by Brad Falchuk, which I think makes sense in a lot of ways. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it feels very very much a Brad Falchuk episode. Uh, all right, so the Glee cap. After Marley's fainting incident, the New Directions are disqualified from competition, giving the Warblers a much-deserved win and Marley plenty of shame. Sue immediately takes over the choir room, causing the Glee Club members to disperse to various other extracurricular activities, much to the chagrin of Finn, who eventually leads them all back together with the help of a ridiculously loyal band. 
Also, Sam wooed Brittany into his arms with the help of Floor Cheerios. Back in New York, Rachel is invited to perform at the prestigious Winter Showcase, which she wins. And Kurt is invited to audition for Niada, which he wins. McKinley learned what it was like to lose. Brad no longer has to sing the blues. And Holy Nights were sung by Jews. And that's what you missed on Glee. So, uh... So, New York or Ohio? Where do you want to start? Um, let's just get Ohio out of the way. All right. So, in Ohio, uh, we learn instantly within, by instantly, I mean within the first minute and a half, that Warblers have won. They're disqualified. It's over. Sectionals, it, it has ended with this. Their competitive season is over. Sue immediately takes over the choir room. Uh, all that stuff. All of the Glee Club, save for Marley, pretty much decide... They'll just go join other clubs, and they do. Uh, Finn, throughout the whole thing, is trying to get everybody back together, trying to get them, trying to get them, and then at the end, he does. Okay, so here's logic problem number one. Glee Club does not have a competitive season. They are a club, not a basketball team or football team, that you play a sport for a specific season, and then it's over. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit on your fence and then sit on the other fence, because here's what happens. Here's what I would say to that. I would I would say yes because in my high school and granted my high school um, I wasn't you know I did band I didn't do choir and um, we didn't we didn't compete we but we played concerts and we did parades and we did everything else and you're right it was a school it was a year long activity competitively I don't know if it's different um, I don't know if other uh, well, if something like that but the other thing on top of that too is. You're forgetting it's Glee Club in terms of Glee, the show, where the end game of Glee every year has been get to nationals, get to nationals, get to nationals. So now it's like, oh, it's December and we're not getting to nationals. So we have six months of school left. But the thing that we were striving for, well, we're not like it's over. What do we do? So I, 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 I agree with you. And the part of me with life experience who went to high school says the same thing. But the part of me that can put a lot of that out the door for the qual- for the um, purpose of TV is accepting it. See, I can't. I can't accept it. As many ridiculous things as I've accepted with Glee so far, I have to draw the line because it's Glee Club. A club does not have a competitive season that's over. My, my show choir competed. They didn't stop performing when they were done with competition they still had school concerts and holiday shows and parade and everything you said like it's just you're right most schools would but glee i mean they have kind of always established that that because i because i mean we've always said the same thing like yeah why aren't they performing in concerts doing this but glee has always not done that they have always only but only when it was like a big thing it's like oh my gosh figgins asked us to perform at a school assembly Right. Like, it's always a big thing when it happens because it doesn't happen regularly. Which, again, also makes sense, no sense. And I know um, other people bring up their feedback. Yeah, I mean, most schools have chorus as a class, which could have just been what Glee Club was. Right. I, I would have accepted the leap of faith, faith more if they were just like, oh, well, we have this, this, and this to perform for still. At least mm-hmm. we have that. Because they say we have the holiday concert. Like, if they had just made up some shitty concerts that they have to perform for for the rest of the year, I would have accepted that not being in the previous four years more. But w- than... would you have accepted it if they were like, remember, guys, we have the annual Night of Neglect to perform? No, no, I would not. 
because it's not see? annual. But if they were like, we have the holiday concert and then we have the spring concert, I would have been like, all right, that's fine. Like, I'm fine with that. If you've never done right. it before, but those are acceptable high school things and I'm fine with that. Yeah, but they needed the episode to have <sighs> that dramatic. <laughs> I hate it. And my, here's logic problem number two. Sue k- kicks them out of the chorus room and Figgins tells them it's economics. No, it's no, it's not. You, your clubs and your teams are not paying. They're not renting out the rooms. They're not paying Figgins money to be in these rooms well, no, no, to no, practice no, in. Were they though? Because then he's talking about other things that meet there, like the Rotary Club and the like Sex and a- Addicts Anonymous and like maybe they're paying. They might be, but they're not going to be meeting during school hours. Or yeah, but with all of the... Remember, Finn could only book the auditorium for like six minutes on a Friday night. So maybe that's because they were booking it on the other times. They're not... No, the Sex and Love Addicts Club is not meeting at three o'clock on an afternoon when school's out. Maybe they are. Well, maybe they're not, but maybe the Rotary Club is. And then maybe Alcoholics Anonymous is meeting after that. Uh, you know. It's still <laughs> things I cannot accept. Interesting. Okay, I can accept that. Um, so uh, with with that, I guess we also had um, Marley kind of uh, admitting he was wrong and stupid and everything. How did you feel about that? I, oh, that happened? I'm sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> Marley was in this episode, huh? I, I think I've learned to tune her out. Okay, I can, I can see that. <laughs> I think she was more tolerable this episode just because she, she was like, I can't believe I did this. But still, yeah, I, I could, I would be happy to tune her out. Um, and then okay. it also leads us to have no idea what's going on in Kitty's head. Yeah, but I, I, it's just a mess. I can't. Because she obviously felt bad and like was like, oh, I went too far. Like you saw that in her face in the very first scene. But at the same time, like, so why did you do it? Yeah. <laughs> it makes no sense. I'll and Santana was there and Quinn was there and then all of a sudden they weren't there. I mean, I they were like yelling in the first scene and then they weren't in the rest of the episode. So there was no like closure with that whole thing. Um, well, Thanksgiving is over. So then they all went back to school or to LA for their recording careers and is, such. Which is fine if they had been like... Stay, like if they had had one scene where Santana was like, stay strong, you'll get through this. I would have, it would have been better. Yeah, I can I can see that. It felt very disjointed. Um, logic problem. So, like you said in the Glee cap, everyone joins other clubs once they disperse because they can't have Glee anymore because there's no no place right. to practice. And you forget the rule about McKinley is that you can only be in one extracurricular yes. activity. You could only be in one extracurricular. Unless you're Rachel in the first episode of Glee ever and you're in everything. And logic problem number three, apparently every sports team at McKinley is a walk-on. <laughs> Mid mid season well, walk on, but we know that the football team sucks, so we could guess that McKinley is just not a good athletic school, save for the Cheerios. Uh, I can't we could accept that. We could. It's it's. I've seen it in places. All right, fine. Every and they have a floor hockey team. They have a floor hockey team. I, I sure apparently. Right. Uh. So okay. All right. Should we should we keep going? Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, so I guess that was everything regarding them, and then we just have Sam and Brittany. Right. Which was cute. I was fine with this part. That's fine. Yeah. Except- um, you know, we knew, we saw it coming a while back, and I think that was actually okay, because I think they've, for, for, in terms of Glee, they've developed it, <laughs> they've quote, quote, really given it a multi-episode arc. 
by having the two of them uh, like look at each other in one episode five episodes ago. Like to me, that's planting a seed. Yes. So you know, props to that. And I mean, the whole like meta thing about like how the lesbian community has like really latched on to Santana and Brittany. Like, I, I kind of I like that. I like it wasn't. Um, it was still funny, uh, and it wasn't shoved down us one way or another because it wasn't too preachy or too. Like, it's a joke that could have gone very wrong, I think, or could have been done very poorly. And I thought it was kind of balanced, right? Where it was just like, no, it's like, just kind of saying what, yeah, you're right. Like, they have become like a, not symbol of the lesbian community, but certainly something that they've appreciated. Yeah. Um, so I was fine with that. Yeah, it was acceptable. I mean, you know, we have them putting Sam with everyone until we find someone that works, but it's fine. We're, I'm yeah. I, That I'll accept. I'm fine with that. I'll accept it because I really do like Sam uh, as a character and Cordova Street as a performer. And so I, I think I really realized if you take it back to the very beginning, he might be the most consistent character on Glee in some ways. He might ways. be, yeah. And I really like him. So if they're going to, you know, it's what I would love for something to happen with Artie. If the, any way they can find to give him a story, I'll take it. And I'd say the same for Artie. Okay. Uh, all right. And then we have, should we move to New York? Sure. So in New York, the winter showcase thingy that Rachel gets invited to sing at. Uh, and meanwhile, uh, uh, along with this, Kurt gets his, um, well, Kurt is uh, going to audition. So first he goes to speak to Carbon Thibodeau and finds out that she, the reason he didn't get in the first time was because she didn't think he was deep enough as a performer and that he was all bells and whistles, essentially. All show. All show, no heart. Which, of course, we know not to be true. Right. Um so with this, basically, Rachel sings, wows everybody. She sings a Christian song, whatever. Uh, <laughs> and, oh, but I guess we, well, I skipped it because I guess I'd get, we thought we'd get to it to the songs. But there's also the little showdown with uh, Cassandra July. Yes. Um, well, okay. Well, I have a point, but it's not really a logic point. I'll save that for, for low notes. Um, so this super elite so elite no one's been invited to perform at this at this showcase as a freshman in years and years and years oh my god rachel gets invited and not only does she get invited but she's allowed to sing two songs because she's so gosh darn good Rody no. called for an encore and carbon no. Thibodeau nodded no <laughs> no if you're at a real school that's having an actual showcase, which first of all was for faculty, which was just ridiculous. Why is it just for faculty? Why isn't it like open to the public? That was bizarre. Uh, I don't know. That was bizarre in uh, and of itself. But this woman who runs this this school so strictly is not letting people do encores. Well, apparently she is. No, it was she ridiculous. Did, did last week. And then on top of that, she's like only 10 children, children, only 10 students from the school get to perform. But I'm going to let this kid off the street audition for me a second time, even though I don't let people audition a second time. It was ridiculous. They contradicted everything they set out in that entire storyline. And it drove me crazy. Um, Okay. I can accept that. I think it's redeemed by... The fact that I really like the songs. Which is fine. I didn't say that we didn't need to start talking about the music. I'm right. talking about the logic of the episode. Because I was fine with the performances. They, I yeah. teared up during both of their performances. Mm -hmm. They were, they sang them. Um, they made me miss them. They yep. made me remember what Glee used to be. They, they kind of, yeah, they had that old Glee feeling. 
but as far as plot goes, you can't you can't write a book where your character <laughs> sets out these strict rules for this high upper echelon school and then the same character breaks all her own rules. Like that's just bad writing. Okay. I'll accept that. I'll accept it. That's it, ugh, it pissed me off so much. Because <laughs> I was like, everybody fucking liked this episode, and this doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I mean, I guess just ridiculous. Yeah, you're, you're right. There are, and you're right, the, the Achilles heel of the episode is that so many things just don't fit together. And there are so many, um, yeah, just character stuff that doesn't, that isn't consistent with things, or just logic that they, they are really asking you to let go of. Um, and I guess for me, I think because in terms of the main characters, I was happy with everybody's trajectory. Uh, I think a lot, there were a lot of really nice scenes with like Rachel and Kurt got a really sweet scene together. That was very much like my favorite song you ever did was I want to hold your hand. And because of this, and it was right. Cause I like these two as friends and I like when they're just talking yeah. and Rachel and Finn had a phone call that I really liked. And that, it was well, like, I like Finn this episode again. I like um, their relationship right now. I like this kind of friendship. I like the words they say to each other. So it was kind of, you're, like, I think all of the, the, the micro-ness of the episode, I think, was great. And why so many people responded to it. Whereas, you're right, the, all the threads holding it together don't really hold up. No. But for me, I think the enjoyability of the episode, and a lot of that has to do with music overweight it where even though I was kind of like every once in a while I kind of give it the side eye it will then Kurt singing Sondheim so then I'm okay you know and see those songs as lovely as they were don't have that effect on me because I'm not that huge musical theater fan where I know songs from company I don't like I don't I you know I know Chicago yeah I didn't know it's another reason I think why you know some episodes always hit us differently in part, it is our our musical backgrounds in some ways. Yeah, I don't know shit about what's you know about popular music or anything. So some songs are I find surprising and fresh when then I realize I play them on the radio every five minutes. <laughs> um, and whereas for me, like I just I always want them to do more Broadway. And this episode was primarily Broadway. It was, so. yeah. And again, which is probably why it didn't why I couldn't let go of those things, whereas everybody else could. Sure. Yeah, because I think everybody else kind of enjoyed other aspects of the episode so much more so that we could forgive or not think about the things we didn't like. Right. I mean, it was all ballads, and we know how I feel about ballads. So, so right, do you want to so talk about the music? Let's talk about the music. Um, so our first song is Something Stupid by uh, yeah. Frank and Nancy Sinatra. Right. This is the Britney Sam song. Yeah, and it was adorable. It was really cute. Yeah. I mean, I well, sh- I mean, I think Sam actually can sing. Uh, yeah. We don't, we never get to hear him sing. Um, Brittany is not the best singer, but they made her sound pretty sweet. Well, they gave her the, they gave her. Um, why can't I think of the word I want to use? Harmony. Um, yeah, they gave her the harmony part, which was essentially all one note. If right. you listen to the opening, the, like the opening verse, it's like she's just singing one note over and over again. Uh, okay. Okay. Yes, yeah, so it was just it was cute and sweet. Yeah, not. Yeah. An over- I always like that song. So, um, so, so then the next we go song. What? And all that jazz. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I, I didn't hear what you said. So. Oh gosh, I just I said, was, and we go on too, and then I was waiting for the right beat to do it on. Oh okay. Um, 
yeah so then we have rachel and cassandra's number which i really liked because it's a musical i'm familiar with they had good choreography well did i was i don't I know so i know that came up that comes up a lot in their feedback and i think people make a valid point but part of it was that what the song was doing was like we don't really see rachel dance much no she does that whole bar thing though she just kind of does the like bopping head throwing her hair back but, but that's what she would, always does, and that's right. the and point. And it kind of makes sense, because you're right, exactly. The point of the song was that um, Rachel isn't going to be a great dancer. Which is what makes her do the next song. Yeah, very, With, very true. So, um, the Bab song. Yes, it's Barbara, and it's uh, Being Good Isn't Good Enough. And see, it, like I said before, the perform- performance was beautiful. We know Leigh Michelle can sing. I felt as a character, I felt like Rachel could have done something different because hmm. isn't, isn't that her whole thing now that she's in new york she's doing what she wants to do and, and here she is doing another barbara right and she's yeah. doing barbara which is what she's known for which is what she always does it's her go-to she's been doing it since she's five mm-hmm. so i felt like character wise it was a bit of a letdown i wish she could have i mean i not that yeah. i have a suggestion because i don't well but it's I, on one hand, I agree. On the other hand, I could... It's funny, like, there's so many points that I'm like, let me give the other side that I don't know <laughs> if I agree with. But I think the other side would be, she just had this moment with, with Cassandra where she basically realized, I my power is my voice. And how do I know how to use my voice? I know how to use it with the Barbara song. So I think there could be something said for that. I see that. But right before she did it, she had this moment with Brody where she was like, right. well, I'm going to do what I want to do. So, so the, the closer moment... <laughs> would lead you to think <laughs> like see what i'm saying about the episode do, it do. doesn't <laughs> there's so many contradictions like plot wise it just doesn't ah, i don't like, i'm trying to think of like a good metaphor for it um and it, the next okay one... i got it, i got it it's, it's like if you've ever had a barbie doll that wasn't barbie that was like gem or midge even or like something you got from a dollar store, and she's kind of the same size as Barbie, but all the clothing don't quite fit her right. That's the metaphor for the episode. I don't know if I understand your metaphor. <laughs> okay, let's say that you were doing a puzzle. <laughs> we're gonna get and... trying. Okay. I haven't done metaphors in so long. <laughs> so you're doing a puzzle, and you know the puzzle has a frame, and the frame is from another edition of the puzzle. And the pieces are from a new edition. So the so pieces, like, things they, they don't quite up. fit in there. <laughs> but it kind of holds up. From far away, the puzzle looks great, I guess. Is yeah. Nice. All right. Fine. So you're, you're baking. <laughs> and it, the recipe calls for, um, oh, uh, it calls for wheat flour, but you only have white flour. All right. So it, <laughs> Right. You get my point. I get I get the metaphor. I'm there. Okay. Um, <laughs> speaking of contradictions, the next song. <laughs> so now I'm going to sing my favorite holiday song. It's a song about the day Jesus was born. Not that I believe in him or anything. Because <laughs> I'm Jewish. <laughs> if she would have gone and a... launched into dreidel, 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 I w- then I would have been happy. <laughs> I Oh, God, yes. Uh, uh, so, yeah, odd choice. Bizarre, but what are we going to do? I mean, I, it sounds great. Both songs I thought was, I mean, like, they were, these songs were meant to show off Leia Michelle singing. Yeah. And both of them, I think, did that quite oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> and it just made my heart hurt for season one of Lee. Oh, 
Yeah, for Jesus, yes. <laughs> yeah, me, Jesus, yes. Yeah, because it was. It was like, oh, right. This, this, because I feel like we haven't had a lot of great Rachel singing moments this no. year, and so it was really nice to have two of them. But you're right. Con- contextually, they really didn't make sense. If Leia wants, Michelle wants to put out a Christmas album, I will buy it or, you know, put it on my Pandora station. Um, but it will be kind of strange if yeah. Rachel Berry were to do that. Would be. Oh, well. Uh, moving on. We have Kurt's big number, um, mm-hmm. which is Being Alive from Company. Yeah. It was beautiful. But again, asking random guy off the street to audition <laughs> at the student showcase. The super elite, like they drove that point home so hard. Well, they had to. It's the super elite, Miata. <laughs> and then totally turned it on its head, and we're like, just kidding. We'll let anyone perform as many times as they want. <laughs> Hobos outside. Let's see what they're doing tonight. They're already Brody, fun. Brody did you want to yeah. perform? Yeah. Um, but it was really good because it, it was. A, I, I, you know, I really like Company. I like. I'm a huge Sondheim fan. And it's a gorgeous song. And I mean, again, we haven't had Chris Colfer singing like like this in a while. And he nailed it. And it was great and wonderful. And I felt like we got a lot of what the song was saying and what Kurt was saying and all that. And yeah, it was good. Yeah. Okay. Um, you're you're like you're afraid of me. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's just a very, it's an interesting episode. We haven't had an episode like this in a while where... It's we, not that we completely disagree, because I see all of your points and I see them as being valid. But more accepting the, the optimist inside of me today, maybe it wouldn't have last week. God, last Friday I came home and it was raining and I got up too early on the bus because it was moving really slow through traffic. I didn't realize how far I had to walk, and then I had to wait. Like I just walked in and I felt so bad because I knew I walked in like. Brandon was scared because I just had that like, oh God, I hate the world and I'm starving because I forgot to eat lunch. What are we doing for dinner? Like that kind of day. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I had watched the episode on that day, I, I probably would feel the same way. Did you drop out or are you still there? Oh, crap. Okay. Are you there now? I am. Did you lose me? I did, yeah. Oh, I was just going on a rant about how um, I was in a good mood when I watched the episode. I I lost you after you were like, it was just one of those days. I forgot to eat lunch. And then... (laughs) Well, I just kind of went on to how, like, if I had watched the episode that day, um, I probably would have felt as you did, if not more angry. All right. So, yeah. Um, So the last number? Mm -hmm. (sighs) Mm-hmm. Oh, Okay. Tell me. Well, I hated the whole, I'm going to play Don't You Forget About Me and write a letter to the Glee Club in voiceover. I don't know. You didn't mind it? It was, uh, it's just been done so many times. Everybody does it. But I feel like maybe, again, this is just lowered expectation. Because in my mind, as soon as I heard that that music being played, I was like, oh, is this going to be like, is Finn going to end his note with, but, you know, each one of us is a guy in a wheelchair, an Asian girl, <laughs> a, uh, you know, like, that was my worry. But, like, they didn't. So, for that, I give them applause for that restraint. I guess. But, no, it's, I still, <laughs> I couldn't. 
I was like, oh, God, not this cliche. Actually, I was I was talking to Lisa about it before, and I'll quote her in saying, because I did the same thing. I just didn't make the reference point, the connection. She was like, oh, when I heard the first notes of For- Don't You Forget About Me, I gave the biggest Liz Lemon ultimate eye roll. I was like, yep, <laughs> I did too. Oh. Um, so then they sing Don't Dream It's Over by a Crowded House in the Snow. Or Hey Now, as I like to call it. <laughs> hey Now. Hey Now. Hey Now. Don't dream it's over. Um, it Performance-wise, it was it, fine. Yeah, it sounded good. It's um, the end of every Glee episode ever. Yeah, but remember, because we've, we've been saying this, how like they've been doing that, only it's never reached the heights of season one. Yeah. And part of that, I I think part of it is surprisingly that like the lack of Mercedes and that big voice. True. Um, but this this one worked for me because I could hear not everyone's voice, but I could hear a lot of their individual voices, which I can't always do. Uh, it everybody kind of sounded really nice together. And the na- like again, like the the actual what was happening in the song, which was everybody deciding they were going to stay together. It char- it worked on me. I was charmed and it worked and I was happy to see them end with a group hug. You were not. I was fine with it. I was kind of hoping they would just stay broken up so we could just have a New York show. <laughs> I understand. Plus, I would like to see Blaine perform a Cheerios routine. That would be really cute. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, for me, this episode... I won't say it it brought me to Team McKinley, because it didn't by any means, but it made me for the first time be like, all right, I'll see what they're doing in Ohio come, you know, come January. Like, I was not miserable in Ohio, and I've been that way for a while. I, yeah, I, I wasn't as miserable, I guess, because both portions of the show kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Right. Um. I don't know. I do actually have high notes, though, which is... Okay, let's, let's get into them. <laughs> I feel like it's a first for the season. <laughs> um, I'm sure we... I, I'm not reading yours. I'm sure we both have the one same one, which is the one big, giant, glaring one that everybody should have. Oh, God. Um, does it involve my favorite character on Glee? Yes. Okay. It was Brad's big outburst, which was amazing. Good. And that's the way Glee needs to do meta humor. Mm-hmm. They, I agree. It doesn't have to be like the the bloggers on the internet are always wondering why I'm around. <laughs> like you don't have to do that, Glee. Like this right. is it. This was an amazing moment mm-hmm. where Sue asked for a sign and he walked in and he got this big rant and it was amazing. About how just because they say hit it doesn't mean he's he's gonna know what they want to play. Exactly. Yes, that was wonderful. I mean, I hope it doesn't mean we lose Brad. Uh we'll see. I no, you know he now- picked up a box, he might be gone. That would be devastating. Uh, but, you know, but, you know, well, well, you know what, though? Because I'm telling you, the band is getting more and more loyal. They're they getting- were out there sitting in the fucking snow when Blaine wasn't. They're getting much bigger, too. That's true. It's going to be like, okay, we need an extra school bus for the vet- for the band. <laughs> um, also, I liked um, Brittany's line that Sam's lips are soft and horizontal. That was really dirty. <laughs> so dirty <laughs> i didn't get that no your lips are soft and horizontal i i mean i i get it right? it was so funny but i mean you didn't catch it on the show no no um, but it's also Brittany mumbles so true i do, 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 do. oh did you see all the chapsticks in sam's locker that was amazing. i didn't notice it but i'd heard about it ah it's so good it's like two rows of 
50 chapsticks. It's amazing. Again, like recurring thing for the character. Yeah, like that's high glee. That's how you do it. Um, Two years ago, that's what he wanted for Christmas. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm good. I, yeah, I'm good. That's all my hacks. I have a few. Um, the, well, I'll get to my, my major low note in a minute. But the, like, Sue, Finn, um, tussle with the trophy. There was actually one really funny moment where, when they decide to kind of walk it together to Figgins' office, where they have to, like, duck to get it out the door. And it was just a really great, funny moment. It was just perfectly directed and, and delivered. Um, Brittany's line, I'm a finance major at Brandeis, turns out Glee Club is really holding me back. Which <laughs> fancy. Very funny, very old Glee. Um, when Kurt's trying to figure out what to sing for Nyada, and he he's thinks he'll do music of the night, and or whatever it is, wishing he were somehow here again. And Rachel, the, the delivery, and again, like, specificity of No Phantom, not in front of this crowd, was just great, because it's like a very, like, musical theater thing. Like, no, you don't sing Phantom of the Opera or Les Mis to a room full of Juilliard students because it's just so trite and everything else. Um, and I thought I found that funny. Um, the little cutaway to Sam's, uh, not Sam, whatever, Dreads is, I forget his name. Joe. Um, Joe's Interfaith Paintball game. That was funny. <laughs> it was just real, again, it was just like, what, 30 seconds and just perfectly done, didn't overstay its welcome. And again, like the look on Sam's face when he hugs them was really cute. Joe's face. <laughs> Yeah, Joe's face. Because <laughs> his name is Samuel in real life. I finally stopped calling him Dreads, and now I can't get his uh, character name. Um, I like that Finn is continues to dress like Will. It is. And uh, Rachel's speech about Glee Club and what it means, yada, 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 I enjoy. Um, low notes. I okay. have a handful, even though you would think I went through them already. Um, there's some. There's some random ones. Um, first of all, when we first see... Rachel in Cassandra's class, they're doing fucking ballet in character shoes. Which yeah. really pissed me off so okay. much. Like that set the tone for the episode for me, actually. <laughs> I was like I was like, this is happening right now. Oh my god. And then I was like, fuck this episode. Um so that really bothered me. Um it really Rachel's interactions with Cassandra still really bother me because if yeah, Rachel would just shut the fuck up, like shut her mouth and not talk back, she would get through the class fine. But for some reason she like they write her as having this huge mental block against past classes where she just shouldn't open her mouth and tell her teacher she's drunk. Like that would make a lot yep. more sense. Um so that still really bothers me. Um, bum, bum, bum. I don't think Rachel's ever made it through a full Cassandra class. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> we've ever. She seen... does keep walking out of them. Yeah, I don't think we've ever seen her leave like at the at the end of class. She's always leaving in the middle. Um. Oh, and I feel like I'm gonna get a lot of shit for this, but Kurt making it into Niata is a low note for me. Wow, why is that? I feel like I really enjoyed him in the fashion industry and I would have mm-hmm. rather seen him take that road and realize that his dream is Ra- like that's Rachel's dream like that's his not dream. his yeah. dream and he has a different dream. Yeah, I mean I was really surprised he was even auditioning because honestly I had kind of assumed he was no longer going that route. Yeah. Not necessarily the like what Kurt wanted but just that that was like the master plan for him from the writer's point of view. And I wouldn't be surprised if it still is. I wouldn't doubt that maybe they're going to have him not not take his place at Niada or something. See, 
I had that thought too, where I was like, well, I was like, he's probably going to start and be like, this isn't for me. But I feel like that, again, that's such a trite and cliche story line for a sitcom that, or for a drama, for an hour long drama, not for a sitcom, but for a TV show, like to Mm. be like, I worked really hard to get this thing and I put put a lot of people out and now I don't want it. Like, I hate Mm. that. So like, I don't, as much as I want him to stay in fashion, I don't want them to do that at the same time. I'm very torn about it. I could see that. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how it ends up uh, going. I'll be curious. Oh, wait. I had one more. Um, okay. It bothered me that Finn was packing up all the trophies and stuff. Because I feel like the trophies never meant as much to Finn as they did to Will. So I mm-hmm. would have rather like seen Will packing up the the choir room. Okay. Let's see. Uh, my biggest low note was it's been, you know, I had it last episode. I have it this episode. Oh, Sue Sylvester, who are you? Yeah. I don't know. Because this week you're a raving cunt face. And two weeks ago you were a good person. And next week you probably will be again or not. I don't know. But it was just so, like, I mean, Sue helped them win that Nationals trophy last year. And now this year she's ready to destroy it because the writers want her to. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, I don't know how Jane Lynch, it's like Jane Lynch and Deanna of Aragon. I wonder if they, like, have coffee dates once a week where they like go over, Oh God. So what is your character doing this week? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, maybe Glee, the Glee writers just hate blondes. Cause remember Terry? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. Well, they like Brittany, but she kind of doesn't count. I don't know. That's my new theory. Um, all right. Should we delve into feedback? Sure thing. All right. So we got five pieces of feedback. I will start, I guess. Sure. I'll start with John's, who, um, oh, this, this is an exciting one. Uh, John labels his email, the island, the little mermaid, and Ganga. Oh, my God, it's Shangela, Shangela, I love you. By the way, we haven't talked about this. I am three episodes into season two of RuPaul's Drag Race, Erica. Hooray. Yes. Um, this morning, I watched, I watched it this morning on the bus, which is great, because I know <laughs> the person sitting next to me was, like, peeking over and trying to see what I was watching. Uh, and it was the episode where they have to do the, uh, the um, fried, uh, oh, the fried, chicken, the fried commercial. chicken commercial with Kathy and Jimmy directing them. It was great. It was so great. <laughs> it was really great. I do like Raven, because Raven can fuck sing, fucking lip sync for her life. Like, oh, no my bitch. God. I know. Yeah. When she gets up there... She brings it as a lip syncer. Um, yeah, I don't know who my favorite is just yet. I actually really like Juju B. Oh, I love Juju. Juju's adorable. fabulous. He's adorable. Um, he, the, you don't you don't actually find this out for a long time. I didn't find out for a long time. She eventually she says it on the show, but her like given name because her parents were immigrants is airline because it was like <laughs> the only word that they knew when they came to America. So yeah, her and like if you look her up on IMDb, like it's legit. Her name is Airline. That's <laughs> really cute. It's adorable. Yeah, she's my favorite right now. But we'll see if that changes. Okay. Um. Okay. But anyway, John. Sorry. He writes. The turkey has been consumed. The decorations have gone up. Familial verbal abuse has been initiated. Ah, the holidays. And that can only mean one thing. Ryan Murphy just found out about what a big deal this holiday is. And told the writers, "Hey, bitches, we need to do a Thanksgiving episode. How fast can we get one out?" Seriously, that's the only halfway reasonable explanation I can think of as to why Turkey Lurkey Time is getting to the Gleeverse weekly. That Ryan Murphy's got his finger on the pulse of pop culture. Also, I'm certain he refers to everyone as bitches. Writers, actors, extras, PAs, laundromat employees. He knows. He knows no discrimination. 
Oh, I would agree with that 110%. His hat makers, too, probably. Completely. So anyway, the most American of holidays hit, and all of our school old fav- old school favorites returned to McKinley to celebrate. Wow, they even came prepared with a low-key mashup. See, newbies, this is how you randomly break out in song. Something started nagging me during this number, though. Two weeks ago, Kurt and Rachel, before them Mercedes, Mike, and then Santana, Puck, and Quinn. As far as they go, as far as California, they just can't get away. Is it possible that McKinley High is... No. Is it the island... No, if you ain't a lost fan, my bad. Also, you're bad. Mostly, you're bad, Erica. I'm not taking responsibility for that oversight on your part. It would explain how every time these old-timers come back, their cheer quickly dissipates into a severe sadness. And that makes Finn like the island keeper. And Sue like Benjamin Linus. And, okay, I'll stop now. But seriously, Netflix that shit. Erica, do you need to say anything to John about Lost? I feel like he's going to start a fight. (laughs) Um... For the record, uh, we both watched the entire Lost in its entirety. I love it. I think it's flawed season three, but I think once it found out it was ending season four, it knew what to do, and I love how it ended. Uh, I have never cried as hard with the show as I have with Lost. Well, maybe Buffy. Six um, Feet Under. The ending of Six Feet Under, yes. Yeah. But I feel like Lost. It was like consistently every other week I would be really? bawling. Yeah. I don't know. Random things would get me. Anytime Desmond and Penny were on screen together, I would cry. Something about their relationship would always make me cry. Like every single time. I don't know why. Um, so like, yeah. And like all the people who died on Lost generally I really liked. So it was always like, oh no, not him. Um, I enjoyed season one of Lost. Ultimately, I disliked the show as a whole. We can continue. <laughs> I will continue. I'm not going to try to recap the episode. That's what you ladies are here for. But I do have a few thoughts. Rhyming with the Puckermans. I quite viscerally winced when Jake said to Ryder, Ree Marley, really? Her? That <laughs> he didn't humper and dumper. Somehow the most offensive line slash visual in the episode. <laughs> An hour that includes unique short bob. Girl needs to get a new do. I mean, as if. Then Puck popped up later with the tried and true bros before hose. And I realized it was just a familial trademark. Those Puckermans always number one with the wordage. I didn't notice that, but I like it. Pairing the newbies with their respective predecessor seems a bit too on the nose, but keeping up with that consistency Glee oh so cherishes. It sent Quinn into yet another spiral of madness and misdirected anger. Maybe she just needs a new haircut. I mean, it worked last time, right? (laughs) Also, was it just me or did that slap fight come out of nowhere? Poor Brittany. It can't be easy having to see that. (laughs) She shook it. Yeah, the haircut. Hey, it it did work before. So... As I lose attention and in, so as I lose attention and interest periodically throughout the episode, I thought about my theory that in the end, Marley's own mother may be the largest, literally and figuratively, villain on the series. Sure, she's a lunch lady, but we've seen Buffy. We know what they're capable of. Point one. More directly, though, after that ooh lunch lady beget Marley reveal earlier this season, it was soon followed up with Meatloaf Mama telling Marley, "I want you to be popular, no matter what." which could be achieved, apparently, by joining Glee Club, hanging out with the popular and remarkably cunty kids, wearing sweaters with designer labels, even making fun of her own mother. Just because the intended result is positive, it doesn't mean it's not bullying in its own way. Point two. In this episode alone, what are those words of encouragement she showers on her daughter? Don't screw it up! Wow, harsh woman. Point three. But then I got to thinking, a plus-size woman sequestered away to the unseen depths who is regularly visited by a young woman with a voice. 
Can it be that the lunch lady isn't in fact Marley's mother, but an imposter luring Marley further into the darkness to steal her voice a la Ursula in The Little Mermaid? <laughs> or to go even further, can it be that, oh my god, it's Shangela! Erica and Emily, shut up! Ch- Shangela's on! <laughs> I, I will accept that theory. I will too. It is. And it's like, I thought it was kind of, I remember like we kind of didn't address it fully, but like, yeah, in the very first episode where her mom is like, well, I want you to be popular. It's sweet of a mother to say that, but there's also the whole, but I also want you to be a good person thing that her mom seems less concerned about. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Okay, wrap it up. Yet again, Kurt and Rachel and almost all connected to the New York City storyline bring the funny, the sweet, the sassy, shangy, and poignant. So Brody's actually got a personality and a backbone and common sense. Okay, I'm starting to come around to him. That was the sexiest turkey I've ever seen. And that includes the time Monica wore a turkey on her head. <laughs> Les Mis versus Hobbit? Screw that. Kiki's versus Turkey Lurkey. Loved Rachel's instinct to jump into a show tune to return attention to her. I once found that aggravating, but damn if Leia Michelle doesn't deliver it so well. So Kurt finally called Lane, best acted scene in the entire episode. The I love you exchange at the twist as the most intriguing part. Remember way back in season two when Blaine dropped the L-bomb to Kurt? Kurt's reaction wasn't the head over heels reciprocation I think we all expected. Is it possible that perhaps Kurt has been reconsidering from the beginning? As much as I don't want it to be so, I'm starting to think the two won't get back together anytime soon. You know, I live in Bushwick, and not once have I seen Sarah Jessica Parker or Drag Queen, let alone a herd of two in tandem. Not even during Sandy. Then again, I'm not off Montrose, so that may... Oh my god, Shangela! Dean <laughs> um, is Korean, huh? More to the point. The Glee Club is doing Gangnam Style at a competition, and Finn hasn't been fired yet? Seriously, that brings a whole lot of issues up. So this means Marley's dead, right? Wrong, McKinley High's not done with her yet. Lost callback. So, as it turned, this turned out longer than expected. That's what Shangela said. But it's food for thought. God, I hope we get an Arbor Day episode next year. Later, bitches. From John in Bushwick, who is kind of my neighbor, although it would take like an hour and a half to get to him by train. Almost a neighbor. Yeah. I mean, that is the funny thing about New York when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Small island, lots of trains. Yes. And if you can live in a direction where it's not near a train, it can take just as long as if you were driving from where Erica lives. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I like your theories, John. I'm fine with Glee turning into Lost. I don't think other people are. <laughs> maybe, maybe Glee can sing You Are Everybody. You All Everybody. <laughs> you All Everybody. Bobby. That would make me happy. <laughs> you All Everybody. That would oh, be great. And then they could sing the Hobbit drinking song. They could. Because I'm just making random loose connections. Why not? In 48 frames per second, no less. Yes. Um, okay, so I'm going to read Brienne's feedback, um, which is entitled "The Ugly Duckling." Uh, bleh, the Ugly Duckling. I mean, Swan Song. Hello again. I've been feeling like a negative Nancy my last few feedbacks, so this episode I was happy during the episode and enjoying it. Coincidence that there was very little with the newbies, maybe. So I wanted to write my feedback right away while I still had these positive vibes. First and foremost, <laughs> I was very happy to have a Hummelberry heavy episode. Seeing, the per- seeing them perform, it's no surprise as to why they are such stars. I'm enjoying the Sam Britt love, and I actually like Brody, so I'm glad that he came to see Rachel sing and that there was a short, sweet kiss with no dramatic workup. I'm sorry, I forgot to mention something before this is Erica speaking now. The mm-hmm. other thing that really bothered me was, first of all, the really bad reaction shots during the Niata performances. Did you see them? <laughs> they were really bad. They were just people <laughs> sitting there with their mouths open. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And number and then two, just thinking along to Holy Night. Like, do people do that at a winter shoot? I don't think so. Um, 
Number two is there, unless I missed it, was Cassandra July not in the audience? Like, I feel like that would have been. He didn't show her. She might not have been. That would have been like a poignant thing to do to put her in the audience and, and take it from there. So she sees how good Rachel is. No. Yes. Maybe. No, no, no. I would. I agree with that. I can see your point there. That bothered well, me too. Said, well said. Um, okay, Brienne continues. Highlights. Kurt rocking the Team Edward circa Twilight hair. <laughs> Brad, I love that he was mad the Glee kids just come in and expect him to know a song and tell him to kick it. Cl- clips of what Glee members do without will be with... Bleh, I can't read tonight. Clips of what the Glee members will be without Glee Club. Cheerios trail, Cheerios trail because Sam knows Brit forgets breakfast. I totally support this couple. It may be the two dumbest characters, but I enjoy Sam and think that he has a good heart. Joe joined an interfaith paintball team. Sam telling Britt the Walking Dead isn't based on a true story, and then they kiss. Woohoo. Rachel singing. Kurt saying that he needed props in his gold pants. Uh, Kurt saying at the beginning of the performance, I'll be auditioning for the role of a Niata student. <laughs> I forgot that. That was cute. It was cute. Rachel's called a Finn. Tables have turned because it used to seem like he was always talking her up. And of course, we found out during the phone call that she won. Finn was being whiny, but I'll overlook it. I also hope this doesn't mean a Finchel reunion. I don't think so. I think if anything, it was they can be friends. They can talk to each other like friends. Yeah. Um, Finn's breakfast club letter. Brianne, again, we don't agree. <laughs> um, and again, Kurt got into Niata. She's happy. Um, like I said, I was seeing the positive side of things. I feel like this week was one of the best episodes of the season. Maybe my attitude, maybe my attitude, but it made me happy. Here are my nitpicks. Rachel gets invited to Winter Showcase, yet all we've seen is her in dance class, which hasn't been going so well. Why can't we see her successful classes? Even if it's a random singing class once a week, acting another, it'd be nice to see more of her Niata experience besides Cassandra. Well, during the montage when Finn came to visit, we saw that she had other classes. That was something. Briefly. Um, Sugar bailed after losing sectionals. I hope this isn't long term. Oh, God, me too. That'd be sad. Yeah, it would be. Uh, All that jazz. Did anyone else think there were too many face shots despite this being Rachel's chance to show that she has improved in dance? We need to see her feet to get that. I thought it was poor direction camera work. Again, I think that was kind of the point Mm. is that she probably hasn't improved that much. Um, Rachel sounded great during Oh Holy Night, but I feel like Finn cleaning out the choir room didn't really fit the song. Uh, I love the Niata songs and Don't Dream It's Over. I think it's best the best Kurt has sounded. He sounds mature. Rachel always sounds great, especially singing Barbara. And Don't Dream It's Over just takes me back to being about five, and I love it. It was a nice ending to the episode, and it was nice uh, seeing everyone in the quad. Some other quick notes. I was thinking Sue was taking over the choir room because she's still mad at Finn for using the R word. Uh, Sam brought up a good question about what does this mean now that they lost sectionals. The show has had such a set flow leading up to has had such a set flow leading up to nationals every season. How will the rest of the season work? I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It'll just be different. Which I I think the show needs. Yeah. I feel bad for the graduates who won't get one more try at nationals. Rachel on the stairs made me miss the old Rachel. Has anyone else noticed the old crazy Rachel is far gone? I guess she's (laughs) matured, but I like to see the crazy every once in a while. I did like her seizing the day and kissing Brody. Next week is the holiday episode. Until then, Brianne. Um, we haven't talked about the preview for the holiday episode. I because I didn't see it because I watched. Oh, it. oh my god! Okay, then I won't say anything because okay. it. Um, well, it's on tonight. I could watch it in twenty minutes. Oh my god! So. Sure, yeah, it's on in like twenty minutes. <laughs> um, but no, but it. I don't know, like because we've had very mixed feelings with the holiday episodes. We have. Um, I have to say, and this one, the preview, there was like one thing about the preview. I'm like, are you kidding me? And then it did a couple of things that I was like, shit, this could be really awesome. So I don't know. 
right. I'm kind of excited. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe. I don't know. Okay. Beth. Beth writes, Hi, Emily and Erica. I enjoyed this week's episode titled Swan Song. It fit my head canon for the show so on so many levels. Funny thing, it addressed so many things I would have if I was writing for the show. I sort of wondered if the writer had been hanging around my set at the theater where I'm currently working and listening in on the conversation my cast and crew were having about the future of, of the show. Guess the collective conscious was at work yet again. The show opens with new directions, kids bringing Marley back to life. I was rather disappointed to find Marley was still with us. I'd rather hope she had died on stage, or at the very least, crapped her pants. That would have made some great drama, and it would have been, you know, fitting with the poop theme. Then, if Jacob died in a tragic Razor Scooter accident, we could have had a Christmas episode with the ghosts of Jacob Molly haunting the halls of McKinley High. Sweet! But, spoiler alert, Jacob survived the episode as well. Bummer. Tina, I love you, Tina. We found out that she still has Halloween candy in her locker. Tina is the only New Direction girl with a real body. Seriously, I love her. She has normal girl legs, arms, and neck. And she trick-or-treats and eats candy like real human girls do. Take note, Marley. Joe is a juice box. I tend to ignore Joe, as do the writers. But knowing he is a juice box is rather endearing. Any homeschooling family out there knows what I am talking about, as we tend to keep cases of juice box and our sensible mom mobiles with us at all times. Except for me, I was and still am the bad example. My kids and I tend to drink Dr. Pepper and drive flesh cars. Man, back when I used to drink soda, I used to love Dr. Pepper. Santana calls out, Kitty, go Santana. Santana, here's the new plan. Drop out of school, hang out with New Directions kids to protect Marley until Christmas. Kill both all the new kids with razors in your hair, kidnap Lane, and go to New York to live with Rachel and live in Rachel and Kurt's cool apartment. See, someone has to pay the rent, and Santana's mom did give her all that money. Well, Sue walks into all this chaos and lets everyone know the Warblers have won. If I was Blaine, I would have started to throw chairs around in frustration, but he doesn't. Maybe because of the phone call from Kurt. Blaine has his eyes on a different prize. But better yet, maybe Blaine will go back to the Warblers so he can compete in regionals. I mean, Kurt did that two seasons ago and nobody really complained, did they? I mean, the people in charge of these competitions. I'd be good with it, though. Then maybe my dreams of, Warble of a Warbler's second album could come true. By my count, we have three songs so far this season. We only need six more or so to make up an album, right? If we use season three songs as well, that could work, right? This could really happen. I need to start an online petition somewhere or open a Twitter account and tweet Ryan Murphy. Blaine called Kurt back to let him know that they lost sectionals. The lines of communication are indeed opening up between our little gay boys and cleaners everywhere rejoicing. What is Tina going to do from now on? She ever so briefly was our link between Lima to New York. Oh, well, Tina, your story arc is now complete. She is condemned to go sway in the background to collect a paycheck. And then Kurt confirms what all the Blainers knew already. If Blaine has returned to the Warblers, if Blaine had returned to the Warblers, he'd be on his way to regionals right now. I hope the writers keep up that line of thinking. I really want that second Warblers album bad. Then Rachel wonders if she should call Finn, and we all yell no at the TV screen. Again, the writers seem to be listening to us, and Rachel doesn't phone him. Then Kurt starts talking about some golden ticket and my heart stirs with excitement. He puts on a vinyl record. Could it be? Is it the original soundtrack from 1971? Are we going to get a Kurt and Rachel rendition of Golden Ticket from the movie that shall not be named because Eric is afraid of it? Rats, just some opera music. I am so disappointed. I almost turn off the TV and consider threatening on both Facebook and Glee forums to quit this show. But I changed my mind because as a Gleek, I am allowed to do this on a minute-to-minute -minute basis. Well, Carmen, sure as hell, put her hand Rachel a golden ticket because we need to hear a Rachel solo and there is a good possibility it will either be a Broadway song or a Streisand number. And she does. Rachel will get some loving and screen time this episode. Hooray! But then I start overthinking it and wonder how Rachel, who can't dance, gets to perform. And then I remind myself not to worry about that sort of shit. After all, this is Glee. Erica, words to live by. <laughs>
back to Lima, and Sue is having her Cheerios tear up the room, which, as we all know, is only used for the Glee Club, as there are no choirs in this school. My mind starts wandering. I know there is a band, and just once I'd like to see the band room. And where is Will? He must have hightailed his ass back to Washington, D.C. to save some other school music programs, because he knew McKinley's was now a lost cause. Will should also consider looking for a new full-time job. Maybe Bert Hummel could hire him, since Finn doesn't seem to care about running that place anymore. Anyway, Sue is going to do a French-Canadian circus-inspired Cheerio side project, Sue du Soleil, which I think would be pretty awesome. My all-time favorite Cheerio piece was to the Madonna episode, where some Cheerios performed on stilts. I mean, that was gorgeous, so screw the new directions. I want to see Sue du Soleil. <laughs> oh, there is that cheerleader with the neck brace. Maybe I will get to her backstory after all. I love Sue has changed late Lillian Adler's plaque. I understand in real life the woman in the picture and Jane Lynch know each other. It now reads, I died a slow, horrible death, choking on fluid in my lungs. Okay, there's a story there, and I will need to hunt it down. Heroic Finn grabs a picture of the beloved Lillian and goes over to rescue the trophy from Sue, who threatens to run it over with her le car. I am glad to know she still has her le car. And then Finn says, over my dead body, and for a brief moment, I hope we get to see Sue run him over. I've decided since Glee is the least violent show I watch on TV, I need to spice it up a bit with some blood and gore. Sue and Finn carrying the trophy to Figgins' office, and they both worry about hitting the door jam. I love little shit like that. Oh, Will is here, and he's in Figgins' office. Seems there's a clause in April Roads behind the auditorium for the new directions is only good until they lose its sectionals. Seems McKinley not only has a marching band, but it also has a competing drum and bugle corps. Since my brother-in-law writes musical shows for several competing drum and bugle corps groups, I know how exciting a good drum and bugle corps can be. I'd like to see them perform. Then Figgins says the school district is running a seven-figure deficit. Did I hear that right? Seven figures is like, let me count those zeros, a billion dollars? And yet they have, oh, never mind. This is Glee. Just go with it, Beth. Finn hands the keys over to Sue, and I realize how old he really looks. Running Glee Club has aged, Finn. He looks like a 30-plus-year-old man. Sue and Becky. Sue is left with a strange and empty feeling. We find she has the quite quite the fantasy life for the former Glee Clubbers. But first, Becky has a great line about how she felt after seeing Prometheus. We are totally with you on that one, Becky. Side note, I'm not. I really enjoyed Prometheus, even though I know it was flawed. Back to Beth. Anyway, Sue sees Tina as a drug mule in the Lima Crack District. Artie is forced to sell his legs to science. Blaine is performing on the Bathhouse Circus. Circus. I guess Sue knows our Blaine better than we thought. And Brittany is a finance major at Brandeis. So seems Glee Club was really holding her back. More of these little moments, Glee writers, please. And then Sue pleads for a sign that she is doing the right thing. And we hear a knock at the door. It's Brad. He speaks and I die and go to heaven. I came back, by the way. No worries. <laughs> he tells Sue, Sue Sylvester, I cannot thank you enough. I can't tell you how much I hate those kids. You know how demeaning it is when they just turn to you and yell, hit it. And you're supposed to know what song they're going to sing. I'm free. I'm free. And I silently pray that Brad moves to New York to live with Santana, kidnap Lane, Kurt, and Rachel in their cool loft apartment in New York City. Back to the Glee Club, and we, ooh, or you could date Cassandra July. True. That'd right? be exciting. Yeah, that would be hot. Okay, I continue. Beth continues. Back to the Glee Club, and we find out Sugar has already bailed. Smart girl. Tina, a voice of reason, goes after Marley's butt. I was really hoping for blood, but no. Artie agrees and gives us his classic preach hand, which I have missed since since. This season, since Artie has pretty much been pushed to the back of the choir room. Sam points out that some of us won't have a next year, and I realize Blaine is still in the choir room. Damn those warblers. They didn't ask him to come back. What is wrong with them? Brittany channels her inner E.T. and follows the Cheerios trail on the floor. I don't know what I love more, the use of Cheerios or Brittany eating things off the floor. And there is Sam, who totally gets her, and I like Sam even more. He offers her a glass of milk, because milk and cereal go together. Of course, the band is there, and they sing a duet with the word stupid in it, and it's cute. Mind you, I didn't say it was great, because it's pretty lame, but it's a cute idea that, in my humble opinion, falls a little short. 
Then the best meta moment occurs. The fourth, fifth, and sixth wall is broken. I can't even begin to explain how perfect this was. Go watch the scene again. I loved it. Cassandra berates Rachel for getting a drink. Rachel and Cassandra have a bitch fest and do a dance slash sing off to all that jazz. And I am very happy because this two for two songs that I know. I like that some girls dance along with Rachel. I wondered if any of them was Muffin Top from the new Rachel episode, but I couldn't remember what she looked like. Sigh. Rachel is clearly the better singer and she gets it. Kirk goes to see Carmen. I don't bother trying to spell her last name anymore. And then we find out he sang an acoustic version of Wham's Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. And I realize I really, really want to hear it. And I am sad to know it's Glee writers just yanking my chain again because it doesn't exist. Then Carmen rips Kurt's fragile self-esteem by telling him he lacks depth. What? See, I knew no one had recorded a secret copy of any Kurt songs as Carmen doesn't know Kurt at all. Chris Colfer makes one of those great faces where he looks like a six-year-old who just found out about Santa Claus and I just want to love him more. Carmen telling Kurt he doesn't look vulnerable enough just slayed me. I wanted to take Carmen aside and whisper in her ear, start writing out a golden ticket for this kid. He looks like a future Golden Globe winner to me. Somehow, Kurt keeps it together to get it out of her office just to know he went to the bathroom to have a good cry and then called Lane because they are back on speaking terms. I knew then all would turn out well. Already has a drum major? Um, no. But Kurt and Tina as Cheerios. Well, but Blaine and, K- and Tina as Cheerios. Well, that is different. Now we all know what a normal girl's body looks like in a Cheerios uniform. Healthy. Blaine's smile when Sue is first describing him as a non-flammable gay. Blaine just loves to be complimented, doesn't he? Young <laughs> Then some random guys in a basketball uniform turns up. Then Unique is on rollerblades and I got excited because I thought, how cool would it be if Glee did transgender roller derby day? Joe's paintball club cracked me up. Finn gets all self-righteous on us and insulted our RD, and I was truly disappointed that Sue hadn't run Finn over. Everyone starts to leave. I would have left, too. Blaine was second to last to leave, probably because he felt this bizarre need to support his future brother-in-law, but then realized Finn wasn't worth it, and so I think Blaine should go phone the warblers to ask why they hadn't called or ask Santana to kidnap him to take him to New York. Stupid Marley stayed last, probably because Kitty, who was mentored by Quinn and who was on this episode, even though fucking Santana were, told her she should try to sleep with Finn because we all know students should sleep with teachers. Okay, I just made that up about Marley, but Marley is that dumb and Finn isn't getting any since Rachel broke up with him, so it works for me. Anyone want to start taking bets? Sam's locker with his chapstick supplies lining the whole space. He has like two thin notebooks in there. Cracked me up royally. We do learn The Walking Dead isn't based on a true story because Sam already checked and Brittany seems glad to know this. I feel better too. Can never be too sure about this. VIP booth at Breadsticks? I wonder which one it is. Brittany asks Sam on a date. Go for it, baby. Sam sensibly asks out asks about the lesbian blogger community. I would too, as well as Twitter and Tumblr and everyone over at After Ellen, because I respect them over there and thought they deserve a shout-out. And then they kiss, and I realize I'm good with it, because I never bought Britannia as a real couple. Sigh, I know, hate mail to me. Back to the round room at Niata. We get to see Alexander Blasucci, which makes me happy. But not as happy as it would have been if it had heard Kurt's Wham song or know which former Golden Ticket winner won the Oscar. I can't help it. I really wonder about these things. We get a black swan chick. Well, are you going to call... <laughs> if you're going to call the show Swan Song, might as well have several references to swans. Poor girl. Her screen time is cut to nothing. Instead, we go to Rachel and Brody. And she kisses him and lets him know in so many words they can come over and share her sleeping space, as she is good with that now. Kirk comes along and breaks up the particular act of a rom-com, and we get to hear Rachel sing. Well, I'm in heaven, because this is a really good song. Rachel sounds wonderful, and this is what I want Megley to do more. She sounds so good. I think she should do another song. And she does! Oh, holy night. Yes, please do make me a list of all the Jewish singers who have done Christmas albums, because I know a frog and a pig who did an entire best-selling Christmas album, and honestly, I have never met a Christian or a Jewish frog. 
During the song, they cut away to Finn, who's moping around Sue's circus room, and we get to see Cheerios actually rehearsing on hoops and scarves, and I think to myself, take note, Finn. This is how a professional group wins show and contests. They rehearse. Carmen is pleased with Rachel, and because she is Carmen's um, cur- Carmen's current favorite, she invites Rachel's best gay to come and perform. And guess what? I was good with this because I love Kurt and love to hear him sing. He sings beautifully, of course, with his chest voice, and he gets all emotional, and he has on those crazy pants, and a distance for the role of an Yada student, and I need really need to have a Kurt, Rachel, Santana, and Blainer in New York show with guest appearances by Bert. Emma can stop by, too. I like Emma. And Brad. I won't forget Brad. He can be here, too. And then some stuff in Lima, and we find out Kirk got into Nyada, and someone something got into my eye, and it teared up a little, and I felt happy. Until next week, Beth. Beth liked the episode more than you. Clearly. But I think that's easy for anyone to do. <laughs> Very true. Very true. But um, there was, I don't know. There, there's some a certain enthusiasm that I think also... Like, I liked the, first, the episode the first time I watched it, and then I think... I don't know, because I did actually, because usually I don't get to read the feedback until today, until we record. Um, I did skim through it a little bit earlier in the week, so I think like that, I don't know, that kind of helped maybe put me in a good enthusiasm. Okay. I'll read Helene's. Okay. Yes. Helene says, Erica and Emily, have you missed me? I have to confess, I haven't even listened to like the last four episodes of Gleecast. I suck. The thing is, this year I'm homeschooling the kid, and after a day of slope intercept form and the industrial revolution and the biology of viruses, the only thing I want to listen to is the ice clinking in the gla- in a glass of bourbon, if you know what I mean. But I will catch up because you guys will always make me laugh. But Glee. So I've been a cautious watcher of Glee recently. I'm suffering through the breakup of my boys. I'm feeling like this is it for them. Um, I don't know why I read that, read that weird. I'm feeling like this is it for them. <laughs> I don't have... I don't have a lot of faith that Ryan Murphy is going to get them back together again. So I had to go through the phases of grief a time or two and wrestle around with my disappointment. And I'm still not sure how I'm going to handle a glee in which my boys are not together. You may get some prom queen caliber ratings from me. One of these episodes (laughs) that said, I'll only gently mention that Kurt singing being alive makes more sense. If Kurt's, if, if it's about Kurt figuring out, he can be with Blaine again, then when it's about Kurt figuring out he can move on from Blaine, which is the direction I sensed the show was going. Before I uh, wax rhapsodic about the song, the choice of song for Kurt, about Chris Colfer's voice in a deeper register perfection, and about how this song will certainly be a contender for best song of the year when we eventually get to that podcast. Seriously, it's right up there with any of Chris's great vocal performances. I adore it. I've heard it was Chris himself who pushed to sing it in a lower key, and God bless him for that. He owned that song. Oh, that's something I didn't think about the song. But yeah, because the song is relationships are not perfect and someone to be close to who is also going to drive me crazy. Um, you know, and that's part of being in love. So, yeah. Okay. I haven't gotten to weigh in on the newbies yet, so here's my overview. I like Ryder. I was glad Ryder picked Blaine to win the Glee Project and... Oh, I was glad Ryan... Oh. I was like, wait, what? What did I just say? Um, I was glad Ryan picked Blake... There we go. To win the Glee Project. And I'm feeling pretty smug about that because he's the first winner they've had who can actually act. I like Jake. I could like Marley without the bulimia storyline. 
I do like that she's flawed, that she does think she shouldn't because she wants to be popular or have a boyfriend. I just think they've pushed yeah. that too far with the bulimia thing. Kitty, I can't stand. Everyone knows I hated Alex on the Glee Project, so I'm surprised to find out I'm not minding him on Glee. It helps that he can sing like crazy and they need some high voices with Leia Michelle gone. I really feel the lack of a strong replacement for her. And that Glee seems to have figured out that he's taken best in small doses. I know I just yeah. complimented Leia's voice, but really, did we need back-to-back Rachel solos <laughs> in this episode? I, I'm trying to keep liking her people, but I'm trying to keep liking her people. But when you push it like that, on top of her constantly harping on Kurt and neither about neither of them needing a man before molesting a turkey with Brody right in front of him, <laughs> I kind of want to smack her in the face. Yeah, I I may still be a teeny bit bitter. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Helene. Thank you, Aline. It's good to hear from you again. Yes, it is. Um, I, yeah. I imagine life is busy when you're, like, teaching kids stuff. Yeah. I've um, never had to do that, so. God, I can't imagine. I know. I read, uh, read an interesting article, and I think it was New York Magazine, about homeschooling. And, like, what, one of the things I got from it, like, if you choose to do it, like, you, like, that is, that, that, like, it's, it's a full-time job. You're a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez, ah, I respect you people, I do. I don't know how you do it. Well, it's like two jobs, because you're, like, parenting and teaching at the same yeah, time. Yeah, and, like, you're you're with your coworkers all day, which would be a terrible thing to do in your life. Yeah. Hey, ugh, just imagining that. Um, okay, and our last email comes from the one and only Wayne Kotke, who titles his email, New Directions is Dead! Long live New Directions! <laughs> Ernestine and Edith Ann. Before we go any further, let me say that I think Swan Song was a successful episode, which also marked a turning point for the series. The second half was particularly effective, and I think I will count this as one of the strongest of the season. That is not to say that Swan Song was flawless. On the contrary, I was almost, I almost turned it off at a few points during the first half. There were some moments, whole plot threads really, which I found very frustrating and disappointing. I will discuss these shortly. But first, let me talk about what this episode accomplished. Last time we spoke, Emily and I disagreed somewhat over the merits of an episode titled Thanksgiving. One of my main problems was that particular installment, besides the ill-conceived and terribly executed bulimia plot, was that it was just another Glee competition show. For me, that formula was very, very thin. The series was in a rut. Did anyone care about regionals or nationals anymore? The Glee kids won a nationals trophy last season, and I barely cared about that. Who wanted another season's worth of shows about trophies and show choir rivalries and wacky judges? Not me. Swan Song definitely broke the cycle. New Directions lost sectionals and deservedly so. Not because of Marley, though she didn't help, but simply because their poor performance was awful. So now the show won't have to be about competitions, at least not high school ones. And maybe, just maybe, they can start focusing on the characters as human beings who sing for the sake of music itself, not to win any meaningless title or award. And speaking of singing, the choir room itself has become one of Glee's most worn-out, stifling, creatively deadening locations. I've been dreading choir room scenes since season three, at least. Swan Song got rid of that room, too. Granted, it did so in a way in which I thought was contrived and moronic. More on that later. But the end result was the same. Lee slaughtered one of its own sacred cows, its most iconic familiar set, and I, for one, say, hooray. On a quieter note, Lee appears to be letting go of the bulimia storyline, one of season four's biggest headaches. Marley seems to have snapped back to reality, and there were a couple of shots which showed that Kitty might be softening or relenting. I never understood what Kitty's endgame was in all this. It looks like these two problematic characters will be breaking out some of, uh, breaking out of some bad behavior patterns, which were damaging the series. Glee accomplished all of this in one episode while still having time for some nourishing, meaningful, and attractively staged New York scenes with Kurt and Rachel. There's a lot that's a lot for one episode to get done, and yet Swan Song didn't feel rushed or forced to me. 
They got in all their stories and plenty of jokes as well. So the episode never felt too heavy or somber. If this is Glee's 2.0, I am on board. Okay, okay, enough compliments. What about the show's flaws? Okay, for one, who exactly is Sue Sylvester? I question too, Wayne. After four years, the writers of this show have no idea. Is she a tough love style educator who really does care about her kids? Or is she just an, a power crazed irresponsible harpy who's mean for the sake of being mean? Is she Gargamel or isn't she? I don't know how late Jane Lynch manages to play her scenes. Because Sue's motives and methods change, fre- change frequently during the course of an episode. As much as I was relieved to see the choir room go, I thought Glee got there in a very dumb way, which is implausible even for the cartoonish series. We've already established that the Glee Club is not a class, right? It's just an extracurricular activity. The rehearsals would, in reality, be held after school. If space is at a premium at McKinley High, there's no way a room that big would be devoted to an after-school club and sit idle most of the time. But here's the thing. A real high school that size would offer a course called choir with the teacher and students and grades and credits and everything. That's what the room's main purpose would be. New Directions would just use it for an hour or so every day after school. It would make sense for Sue to get that after school time once the Glee Club has disbanded. But the room would still be used for teaching choir the rest of the day. So the risers and acoustic panels would probably stay up. And it's highly unlikely that Sue would want to destroy the Nationals trophy since she gave herself a lot of credit for that victory. Also, this led to the episode's absolute lowest point. A shot of one of the Cheerios shredding a poster with the word individuality on it. Oh, did I roll my eyes at that. Come on, Glee. We're not that stupid. You don't have to make it so obvious for us. Give your viewers some credit. Meanwhile, over at Nyada, I'm beginning to have serious doubts about the character of Cassandra July. She boasts about what a great teacher she is, but is she? I don't see her doing much teaching. To me, she's starting to seem more than a a little pathetic. A grown woman who goes to extreme lengths to spar with a girl just out of high school while ignoring all of her other students. Her scheme to with Brody while Rachel was out of town was just kind of sad and skanky. You're too old to be having revenge sex, Cassandra. Grow the hell up and maybe stop structuring your life and your lesson plans around an 18-year-old freshman from Lima, Ohio. I personally think Cassandra is full of shit and it's time for someone, preferably Rachel, to start calling her on that shit. I will give her this, though. She can spread her legs awfully wide. Did Kate Hudson miss her calling as an actress? Hmm. Random observation time. In deciding not to call Finn, Rachel managed to pay herself a subtle compliment. Imagine coming down from one loss just to be reminded of an even bigger one. <laughs> that even bigger loss she's referring to is, of course, herself. Nicely played, Barry. Yeah, no, I got that. The, ep- the epic Brad rant we all knew was coming finally arrived, and it was glorious. But does it mean that everyone's favorite bearded piano man is out of our lives and off the show? I hope not. Find a way to bring him back, Lee. Loved, loved, loved the sequence in which Sue imagined the possible future of the Glee Clubbers after New Directions was disbanded. It was funny and very nicely shot, too. Brits was my favorite. Come on, Sam. Floor cereal? Gross. That's the floor of a high school, too. You wouldn't want your potential girlfriend eating that and then kissing you. I will always associate the song Something Stupid with Sideshow Bob and Selma Bouvier. Oh, yeah. I forgot that they sing it. Uh, Sam and Britt are an adorable couple, of course, but after the heady days of Santini, they seem a little too bland, blonde, and heteronormative in comparison. The show addressed that very issue in a meta-observational way, which preemptively blamed Glee's own fans, characterized as the quote-unquote lesbian blogging community, for keeping these two lovebirds apart. But in the end, the characters all but said to the camera, screw the fans, we're going to be a couple anyway, no matter what you think. Again, Glee, give your audience some credit. We can learn to accept this couple if you give us a reason to care about them. I don't see much dramatic potential in the pairing, but I'm willing to give the show a chance. If there's ever a sequel to the Glee porno, will there be a musical number called All That Jiv? And if so, (laughs) can I write it? Of course you can. Please do. 
When New Directions seemingly disbands, the ex-league clubbers join various clubs and groups which are supposed to think are silly. Okay, fair enough. But I resented seeing marching band treated as such. I am written about my own marching band experience and how it mirrored Glee in many ways. I don't think we've established that Artie plays any instruments, certainly not brass, woodwind, or percussion, so I'm not sure what he'd be doing. In the band, anyway. Plus, since it's December, the competitive season in the Midwest would be long over. Those uniforms would be in storage at a real in a real Ohio high school by now. And no one wears them in the halls, either. Ever. I did like Artie's correct use of the word plume, since that is the proper terminology. Once again, Artie makes a good counterpoint to Finn. The show should nurture that dynamic. Who knew the school had so many clubs? Anyone who watched Glee, Tina? I think that was another meta-observation on the show's part. Agreed? Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, just when I thought I was done with the funny lockers, boom! Sam and the Chapstick Collection. Nice little moment. Maybe they've done that joke before, which is why I didn't feel that he, they didn't feel the need to explain it. Either way, nice job. Rachel's pre-performance chat with Brody was nicely written and acted. Little scene. Another gold star for Glee. What can I say? I fucking loved Rachel's performance in the round room. I fucking love the round room already. I wish there were more scenes in there. It's like a choir room, but tasteful and elegant. <laughs> I don't know if I'm totally cool with Rachel's favorite holiday song being the one about, you know, the J-Dog and his miraculous birth in B-Town. But this scene worked like a goddamn gangbusters on me. The cross-cutting between Rachel and Finn, a thing of beauty. The close-up of the plaque, cherry on the sundae. Rachel's favorite Kurt performance was I Want to Hold Your Hand. Good choice. Tasty, Rachel. Tasty. I love the way Kurt and Rachel pep talk scene was shot. Anyone know where this was filmed? Um, that was one like in a hallway, right? It wasn't in New York. Um, well, I think it was in front of windows, wasn't it? With, like, twinkly city lights outside, but maybe not necessarily New York. No, I think they've, well, I mean, they've been filming in New York. Yeah, so, um, I don't know. where. What are they doubling as Niada? That's presumably wherever it was. Good question. I do not know the answer to that. I will continue to think about it next week. Or tonight, actually. Or, yeah, now. Okay. Kurt loved being alive when he was six. I think my favorite song at that age was probably the theme song from Super Friends. <laughs> Very nice, low-key way of announcing Rachel's victory. They didn't oversell it. I like the fact that Rachel and Finn can now talk to each other without being a couple. Rachel is a great character on her own, and Finn is a tolerable character on his own. As a couple, though, they're poisonous. As corny as it sounds, a sentiment that Glee Club is about music and not the awards is one which I strongly agree. It's something the show has lost sight of a few times over the years. And again, what can I tell you? As a child raised on 1980s junk culture, the Breakfast Club homage leading into Don't Dream It's Over really got to me. Yes, yes, this is all very hokey and sentimental, I know. I can imagine another version of myself being very cynical and hard-hearted about this that maybe Glee caught me at a vulnerable moment. The fact that Marley, alone among the Glee Clubbers, was the most loyal to New Directions helped to partially redeem that character. Also, I liked that the backing musicians were so willing to go along that they showed up, <laughs> even when almost no one did. So that was one song. In summary, not perfect by a long shot, but still highly effective, at least on me. I have to be cautious here, because I don't want to oversell it in case Ian e hated it. Well, one E did. Or worse, thought it was just mediocre. From my perspective, this episode was the beginning of better things for the show, and a vast improvement over Thanksgiving. The Christmas show promo was very promising. Very promising indeed. Wait, Erica, I don't know if I want to read it. I'm going to give away things. No, I'm not. I, I no. already read it. Oh, you did? Okay. I read ahead of you. I just Damn read it. it. Okay. Because Erica didn't watch it previous. I didn't want to spoil. Wheel drinking from a flask? Oh, hell yeah. Black and white fantasy sequences? Sign me up. The return of Terry? <laughs> you know I'm down for that. Catch y'all in seven. Wayne Cotkey at d2writes.blogspot.com. I'm going to go watch it right now.
I know, I know. That's why I was really excited <laughs> for you to watch it. Terry's back. That's super exciting. Because it looks like it's a total fantasy episode, which if like I was funny because as I was watching this episode and, and thinking about that, like maybe that's what Clean needs to do from now on because eventually they're not going to be able to do the switch between the two and uh, as far as New York and um, Lima goes. And what if it's all just a fantasy? I don't know. It's a thought. Perhaps. Perhaps. All right. So that was uh, Swan Song. Uh, for me, I would probably give it like a B minus. B. Um, it was maybe like a C plus. It was slightly above average. Oh, well, for the season. Oh, for this. Okay. Yeah, I mean, for this episode, I for, for this episode, I think in context of the season. Well, yeah, for the season, I would say this. I don't know that this was my favorite episode, but it's it's I think one of the strongest episodes so far for the season for me. Um, but I understand your your issues with it. But I'm I'm gonna also drink the Kool Aid and say that. Yes, this is the mark of a better thing happening. All right. Yeah. We'll see. And on that note, I think I'm going to now watch uh, the Christmas episode, which is airing right now. All right. Let's go do that. Let's do it. Okay, folks. We will see you sometime. Oh, man. we got to figure that out. Sometime okay. next week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, this is the last episode before the hiatus. Okay. Uh, Glee will come back in mid-January, so as will we. But so we'll have one more episode before then, and we'll talk to you then. All right. Peace out. Word.